Welcome to the Every Word Podcast. All right. Well, welcome back to the Every Word Podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us and coming back. Um, Today's episode is going to be on Genesis chapter 9. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to my friend, Brother Ethan, and he is going to start with our reading today. Brother Ethan? Yeah, thanks, AJ. Uh, So we're tackling chapter 9 of Genesis, and uh, we're reading from the New Living Translation. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 7 to kick us off. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 9 and verse 1. All right, here we go. Verse 1. Then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. All the animals of the earth, all the birds of the sky, all the small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the fish in the sea will look on you with fear and terror. I have placed them in your power. I have given them to you for food, just as I have given you grain and vegetables. But you must not, or, but you must never eat any meat that still has the life blood in it. And I will require the blood of anyone who takes another person's life. If a wild animal kills a person, it must die. And anyone who murders a fellow human must die. If anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. For God made human beings in his own image. Now be fruitful and multiply and repopulate the earth. All right, handing it back over to you, AJ. Go ahead. All right. I'll go ahead and get started here. So in the first four verses, uh, one thing I wanted to note is how similar sounding these words are uh, from God, uh, how similar they are to the ones that he gave to Adam and Eve in the garden. If you recall back to Genesis 1, he's telling them several things here that we've already uh, heard before and seen before. And a couple of those are to be fruitful and multiply, as Brother Ethan just kind of wrapped up with, um, and that all animals, reminding us that all animals are under man's domain, and that all animals, grain, and vegetables are good for man to eat. But note, I said all animals, grain, and vegetables, there is a difference there. Um, this is There is a now an addition of meat for man's consumption. Genesis 1, 29 through 30 actually laid out similar eating allowances, but never explicitly gave permission for mankind to eat meat. So this is something uh, new that we have not seen yet. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and the exception is one cannot eat meat um, that still has the lifeblood. And this is a religious requirement throughout pretty much all the Old Testament that any meat consumed could not have blood in it. And a very good uh, possibility why this is, is because of the fact that blood is viewed as a source of life. And it it very much so is. I mean, without blood, uh, we can't function. You know, blood goes to every portion of our body and it it's what uh, carries the nutrients, the oxygen, all the vital things that it takes to, to maintain us and keep us alive. Um, it's, it's that, uh, that reaches in, but, you know, and we'll even see that it's through sacrifice that in blood or through, excuse me, through the sacrifice and through blood that sins are atoned for in the Mosaic law. And it will be in the future kind of foreshadowing be the shedding of Jesus's blood on the cross, uh, before man's sins can truly be, uh, forgiven. And for this reason, uh, meat for man's consumption, uh, could not have, uh, blood in it. So with that being said, uh, I'll go on to verses five through seven. And 
So verse 5 kind of ties into my thoughts on the blood from verse 4, and it shows the evaluation and the sacredness uh, of the blood when he's talking about, you know, requiring the blood of anyone who takes another person's uh, life. And we also see in these verses that these are the first semblances of of laws handed down uh, by God, uh, where he's instructing his people on what to do in the event of a murder by either animals' hands or by the hands of other men. And it sets the stage for what is uh, referred to as the third dispensation of the Bible uh, or the age of the human government. And, of course, again, I've said this in an earlier episode, if you're not familiar with what the dispensations are, uh, that's perfectly fine. I wasn't until just probably six months ago. Um, but they're just kind of a, a framework for kind of dividing up sections or different time frames of the Bible. And uh, the transition points are kind of marked um, by various events. And this is one uh, in particular. Uh, but before this time, there really were uh, no form of laws, no governance, or really any rules for mankind to live by. But God's covenant with Noah then now is beginning to set framework for mankind to begin, uh, you know, building that kind of a structure, those laws and governments and things like that. So um, really kind of uh, hitting a turning point for mankind, uh, you know, uh, beginning to turn into a, a new leaf or beginning to see things that will come into fruition in later chapters. So. Uh, that's that's really all I have on those set of verses, brother Ethan. What do you have to add to that? Yeah, thanks, AJ. Uh, hey, great job. Um, just like you mentioned, there, there's a lot of similarities between this passage and, and Genesis one and two. You know, there's that uh, the phrase that God made human beings in His own image, and and uh, you know, God is reemphasizing the. The value of life, and and just as a reminder, I think the the best way of uh, to think of what it means to be made in the image of God is is we're made as a representation of God, and so uh, you know some people will say like there's emotions and feelings and and logic and and uh, be able be able to think in a certain way, and that that's uh, what it means to be made in the image of God, and and yes, that it kind of means that. Um, but I think a better way of looking at it is we are made in, in, as a representation of God. So when we sin against another person, uh, you know, we, we do sin against God because that person is representing God. And so uh, the, the first part of this chapter is a continuation of the last part of chapter 8. Um, so God here, he's talking to Noah, and he is establishing what we call the uh, the Noahide covenant or the Noahic covenant. And uh, there's certain conditions um, that are spelled out. One of them is if you commit a sin against the image of God by, uh, by murdering somebody, there's a penalty for that. And, and God requires uh, a life for a life. And so um, God here, he, he is reaffirming how much he values human life. And um, it's important for us uh, as Christians, as apostolics, to make sure that we're championing the preservation of life. And, and we need to grieve at uh, abortion, at euthanasia, suicide, murder, war. You know, these are, these are all ultimately... Not just sins against people, but also sins against God. 
So we just need to make sure that we are treating one another as if that person is God, you know, loving that person, right? You know, loving God and loving your neighbor. That's what it all boils down to. And so, uh, I know you you mentioned a a good bit about, um, the blood and, and, uh, life being in the blood and, uh, for, for, for us Christians, uh, even though, uh, most of us probably, uh, maybe not all of us, but most of us are probably Gentile. We're not Jewish. Um, that this abstinence from eating blood carries on to this day. The the Noah uh, the Noahic Noahide covenant. Um, this still goes on. You know, this is this has not ended, and it's unlike something like the Mosaic covenant. Or the the Davidic covenant, um, which is the the covenant made with David and King David and his descendants, the the Noahide covenant, Noahic covenant, it applies to everybody, and so um, it hasn't ended yet. And so we actually read in the New Testament there's there's a discussion between the Jewish Christians who of course are keeping the law of Moses. And um, and they're discussing, okay, we've got all these Gentile Christians. Do they need to obey the law of Moses or not? And so uh, they have this quarrel, they have this discussion, and we read in the book of Acts chapter 15 that they, they boiled it down to basically four things that, that Gentile Christians uh, should... Uh, uh, um, the, the two two I guess four four laws that uh, Gentile Christians should uh, adhere to. So the first one is abstaining from food that's offered to idols. You don't want to partake of that. Don't eat any food offered to them. You need to abstain from sexual immorality. Hey, you know, go figure. Um, the third one is eating meat from strangled animals. Uh, this is actually also part of the Noahic covenant. And then um, also from consuming blood, which as we read just uh, right here in, in the first few verses of this chapter, uh, that's a no-no from God. We we don't need to eat um, blood. God uh, frowns upon that. And, and us as Gentile Christians, even today, we need to make sure that we're following uh, this, this law. Uh, it's one of the few laws that we are quote-unquote required to uh to keep this is one of them so um just make sure hey you're being conscious of it god god really doesn't like it so um i know we don't talk about that a whole lot but it it still is relevant (laughs) so right all right well that's pretty much all i have here I'll, i'll uh hand it back over to you aj all right well great thoughts great job ethan um nice work on bringing that uh you know to our attention because as you said doesn't you know it's not something that's a popular topic but it's definitely something that's in the words so uh it's up to us to know it and to live by it so uh that being said we're going to go ahead and move on and i will pick up with verse 8 and i'll be reading down through verse 17 so starting with verse 8 verse 8 says then god told noah and his sons I hereby confirm my covenant with you and your descendants, and with all the animals that were on the boat with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, every living creature on earth. Yes, I am confirming my covenant with you. Never again will floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. Then God said, I am giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures, 
for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds, and I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. When I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. Then God said to Noah, Yes, this rainbow is the sign of the covenant I am confirming with all the creatures of the earth. All right, Brother Ethan, what do you have for us on those verses? Yeah, I actually don't have a whole lot, so I'm going to hand this back over to you pretty quick. Uh, but uh, in these verses, uh, it's it's pretty clear that, that God is establishing a covenant with Noah. And I, I just really want to uh, take a couple of minutes and just talk about what a covenant is. Um, I know I know you've been talking about uh, dispensation dispensations. I'm not the I'm not the biggest fan of dispensations, although they do provide a good way of like <laughs> dividing up time you know time periods in the Bible. Right. Um, I think I think some people take it a little too far. And I think a better way of looking, you know, so a dispensation is, is, is really, um, you're looking at it as a, uh, uh, the primary way in which God interacts with humanity and, uh, you mm-hmm. know, that's, that's great and all, I think you can get a little carried away with it. Uh, but it does provide an easy way to, to mm-hmm. divide up the time. I'm not trying to, not trying to bash it here. Uh, but I guess a better way of looking at how God in- interfaces with humanity is, is through the covenant. Right. And so God here, he's establishing a covenant with Noah and essentially with all of mankind, those who weren't destroyed in the flood. And uh, like I've, I said before, we call this the Noahic covenant. And uh, this is perhaps the most fundamental covenant in the Bible. And uh, like I said, uh, a, a, dispens- a dispensation is the primary mode of, in which God interfaces with man. Well, a covenant is really a, a an agreement between God and man, and it, it allows man to interface uh, with God. And uh, a covenant is where God sets the terms. Man doesn't really have a say in what the terms of the covenant should be. He can just say, right. you know... Yes, I accept. No, I don't accept. And so um, a covenant is is really, though, an act of mercy from God. I mean, we are fallen uh, carnal creatures and unholy. And so to be able to appear before God or, or somehow interface or talk to God, interact with God, who is infinitely holy is almost it's impossible unless God makes a way for that. And so that's what that right. covenant does. It's an act of mercy that allows that communication, that fellowship between God and man. And so covenants there's there's really uh they, there's there's two things that covenants can be. They can be uh conditional covenants where hey there's these set of terms, man, if you follow these terms Hey, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do this for you. There's also unconditional covenants where uh, there's a declaration and declaration, and there's no conditions that are laid out. Uh, for example, the the Noahic covenant here, and it's actually uh, both a conditional and a non-conditional covenant. The non-conditional piece of it is that God says, "I will never flood the the waters or the flood the earth again with water and destroy it by water." 
He says, I won't do that ever again. Here's the sign of my covenant. It's the rainbow in the sky. So that's an unconditional piece of the covenant. Man doesn't have to do anything to receive that from God. But there's also a conditional piece where if man murders another man, uh, God says, well, okay, well, the condition here is in order for us to have some sort of of fellowship here, you, you can't murder somebody. But since if you do this, well, I'm going to have to require your life. And so th- that's a condition here. So um, just a fun fact, the, the Jewish rabbis also derived uh, a few other conditions from these verses. Some of them are, um, I mentioned it earlier, that uh, the, 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 the way that you obtain meat from an animal has to be done in a uh, humane way. Uh, that was one of the conditions that uh, the, the Jews set out for the Gentiles in the book of Acts. Uh, this is one of the so-called kosher laws, which is uh, ways that you prepare food, what foods you can eat for, for the Jewish people. This is one that actually applies to, to all humanity is uh, you don't you need to make sure that you are getting food in a humane way. You're not doing something that's inhumane, you know, mistreating animals. Right. So uh, the result of this covenant ultimately is that God sets uh, certain conditions, certain laws uh, for mankind. And uh, and, uh, the unconditional piece of it is that the world is never going to be destroyed again by water. And God puts that promise or he promises uh, that and he confirms that promise by setting the rainbow in the sky. So whenever we see the rainbow, we can be reminded that uh, God will never destroy the world again by water. So that's all I've got. I think I've talked enough about covenants. I'm going to hand it over (laughs) to you, AJ. Go ahead. All right. Well, great thoughts. Um, Great breakdown there on covenants and the conditional not and unconditional. Um, Yeah, I didn't know all that until we started talking about this. So thanks for bringing that up and thanks for bringing it down. So um, I guess I will jump back here to uh, the beginning of the reading back in verses 8 through 11. And I was kind of wanting to talk about... um, I really got hung up on the rainbow here, so you'll you'll have to give me a second to kind of break that <laughs> down. Um, I get hung up on some of the, I don't want to say the strangest things, but it doesn't take much to get me hung up. We'll put it that way. <laughs> but uh, You always get hung up on, on good things, though. It's like, oh, I never would have thought that. Like, it's always good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see how this plays out. But anyway, um, but... Back, so taking a look at verses 8 through 11, you know, here again we see uh, another element of God's covenant with Noah, like you were talking about. He, he never, he promises to never destroy the earth uh, with a flood ever again. And this ties back to scripture that we read back in the latter part of chapter 8, where uh, it actually said God was very grieved that he had destroyed uh, so much of life that he created because of the sins of mankind. And one thing that kind of jumped on me uh, when I was reading that is, you know, just like most of the life on earth, had to pay for the sins of mankind in Noah's day, uh, who will have to pay for my sins and your sins? You know, there's, you know, we, we oftentimes we kind of live in our own personal bubble and and the world we live in kind of drives that, you know, it drives that mentality of I am me, I take care of me and anybody else beyond me is outside of my realm of both control and care. 
Um, and it, it's kind of scary, but you know, every action that we take, um, there's always a reaction. I mean, that's physics, um, but it's also just how life is. That's how society works. Everything I do has an impact on somebody else, but we have to watch and make sure, are we making a positive or are we making a negative impact? Um, there's always somebody around us. Um, they're either, you know, they're watching us or they rely on us, uh, whatever the cases may be. And, you know, and we may think, you know, well, yeah, I'm doing these things and I know they're not right. You know, I, I may be enjoying my little life of sin here. Um, but you know, it's just me and, you know, it's not harming anybody else, but you don't realize somebody else may be, may not be uh, benefiting from that either. Just kind of as uh, the rest of the earth had to pay, somebody else may have to, may be having to deal with a lot because you've decided, or I've decided, um, to not live the life, uh, that God wants for me to live. So just, right. you know, that's something for us to all kind of keep in mind. Um, and then moving on from that, going down to verses 12 through 17, um, the last portion of God's covenant with Noah is the seal, uh, by which God, Noah and all of life know that God has spoken, that his word would be fulfilled. Um, and we see that for this instance, for the Noahic covenant, as you were speaking about that, he chose the rainbow as the sign or the seal of his covenant with all living things. And in particular, in verse 16, says, when I, the Lord, see the rainbow, I will remember. And I found that to be very intriguing. This is kind of where I got hung up. So bear with me. <laughs> um, in my mind, you know, I've always thought it was the rainbow of something God created uh, to show us that he hasn't forgotten about his promise. But I mean, I, I read, you know, I, I'm a sometimes when I read, I'm like analyzing for any little thing. And when I was reading that based on the wording, you know, it, it kind of led me to believe that the rainbow even serves to remind God himself, not that he would forget, but just the wording of that kind of, I don't know, it just kind of spoke to me in a unique way. It's like he put this thing out there arbitrarily to, you know, because, I mean, you, we will read in later scriptures that, you know, God has anger and his anger can be kindled against his own people. Um, and, but it's, it's like, he puts that out there kind of as like an arbitrary reminder and he just sets that in play so that maybe like, you know, if he, if his anger begins to get riled up and he ever, you know, begins to maybe even contemplate that again, then he sees that rainbow that he sets out there and he's like, no, no, I promised that I wouldn't do that again. So, I mean, it, it's just like, I don't know, I, you may not, nobody else may get much out of it, but I, I, I just, I don't know, it kind of spoke to me in, in a special way there. Um, but, you know, and then again, uh, with the rainbow, you know, we, we think, what is a rainbow? You know, what is the definition? And when you think about what it really is, I mean, there's no wonder why God chose it to be a sign for his covenant. And, uh, you know, we've talked about it before. Me and you are both engineers. I'm a nerd. I always will be. <laughs> um, so like immediately I'm like, okay, turn my science brain on. I can turn some science <laughs> around on this. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. So um, so a rainbow from a scientific perspective is essentially a beam of light that has been separated or at least kind of uh, separated or segregated out to where you can see the different uh, parts of the visible light spectrum uh, and have it reflected through the air. And you can achieve this by, you know, sometimes you, know, like you shine a light, you know, or the sun shining just right on a puddle or something. You can kind of see a rainbow or naturally you still see them, you know, in the wild in the wild, so to speak, um, after certain rainstorms and you can achieve it also through like a little prism or something, you know, you shine a light through a prism and it'll, it'll separate those bands out and you can see the different primary colors of the light spectrum. Um, 
But one thing that kind of spoke to me is, you know, God is light and we know this, but um, just as there are different colors that make up this light, um, we are all different humanity, mankind. We're all different, and we live in we live in a world today. If you if you've turned on the news or if you've looked on Facebook or any social media lately, um, there's division everywhere. It's like me and my people, them and those people, you know. And we're we're drawing these lines, these arbitrary lines, and we're saying we can't coalesce. And you are different from me, and I'm different from mm-hmm. you, and this, that, and the other, and and. and you know that that's nothing more than a trick of the devil but here's the here's the real right. thing we are all one we are all mankind we are all his children just like yes. there are different colors that make up the rainbow but they all come together to make the light they all come together to be what he is you know, we together, yes, we are different. We may look different. We may talk different. We may have a different background. We may have a different story, but we are his children, regardless of all these labels that we put on ourselves. We are his, we are a portion of him. And that's all I got on that. Amen. Great, great thought there on the rainbow. I knew it'd be good. That was awesome. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, uh, I will continue on with uh, reading Genesis chapter 9. I'm going to read from verse 18 and on through the end of the chapter. All right. Verse 18. The sons of Noah who came out of the boat with their father were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham is the father of Canaan. From these three sons of Noah came all the people who now populate the earth. After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground, and he planted a vineyard. One day he drank some wine he had made, and he became drunk and lay naked inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers. Then Shen and Japheth took a robe held it over their shoulders, and backed into the tent to cover their father. As they did this, they looked the other way so that they would not see him naked. When Noah woke up from his stupor, he learned what Ham, his youngest son, had done. Then he cursed Canaan, the son of Ham. May Canaan be cursed. May he be the lowest of servants to his relatives. Then Noah said, May the Lord, the God of Shem, be blessed, and may Canaan be his servant. May God expand the territory of Japheth. May Japheth share the prosperity of Shem. And may Canaan be his servant. Noah lived another 350 years after the great flood. He lived 950 years. And then he died. All right, AJ, go ahead. All right. So I'll go ahead and get started here. You know, one of the things that uh, I read, you know, as I was reading this and studying for for this episode, uh, one thing that kind of came to me immediately, I guess, after reading some of the initial verses is like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why did Noah curse Canaan? I don't I don't get that. I don't understand that. You know, just at first blush, um, you know, my initial reaction was like, okay, look, Noah was drunk. He was naked. Um, why should that be grounds for cursing one of your grandchildren uh, and essentially the entire, you know, that, that portion of his family? But, you know, like I said, that was a first blush pass. So, you know, when we break it down, uh, there's there's several several things going on here. 
um, one of the first things was, uh, you know, seeing the fact of seeing Noah naked. And obviously by the actions of Shem and Japheth, uh, seeing either either another man or your own father naked was not an acceptable thing to do. Um, I don't think it's been really outlined at this point by any scripture saying that that was implicitly or explicitly um, wrong, but based on their reactions, obviously it was. Um, However, I would assume that Ham seen his father uh, and then he, had he done that, had he seen his father and taken the appropriate course of action, um, there was a I would assume there would be a pretty good possibility that Canaan may have been spared a curse that day, mm-hmm. um, but he did not. And that kind of leads into my next point, kind of breaking it down is uh, the fact of gossip and the lack of discretion, discretion, excuse me. Um, and most likely Ham's best course of action would have been uh, doing something extremely similar to what Japheth and Shem did, not making a fuss, doing his best to cover his father while respecting his dignity, you know, respecting the fact that he was his father. Um, but however, if you look, the first thing he does, Bible basically says he goes out and he runs and he tells his brothers. Um, and seeing as how the scripture doesn't elaborate on Ham's discussion with his brothers, um, you, you might assume that this conversation probably wasn't very discreet and it wasn't one with a purpose of trying to rectify his father's actions. I mean, it, would, it probably would have been one thing if he'd have went out and called his brothers to the side and been like, hey. I need you to come back. Give me a hand with dad. You know, we, we need to cover him up, you know, like very discreet. No, there's a problem. You know, like if he genuinely needed help, but based on the wording here, it's, you know, I would think, I would think it'd be very safe to assume that it was one of like, Hey, come look at dad, look at him. You know, it, it was, it was one of no discretion. It was, he was just looking to gossip. He was looking to, to, you know, just, I guess, have fun with his brothers and take, take play or take joy in, in the fact of his father's, uh, you know, drunkenness. Um, and we have to be careful about doing the same thing sometimes, you know, if we see a brother or a sister, uh, in Christ in a fault and our first reaction cannot be to run and tell others in a way as to make fun of them or to gossip. Um, our first thing, our first goal is to be just like Shem and Japheth, you know, don't make a spectacle about it and do what is necessary to aid in the removing of that fault. The fault still needs to be dealt with, but there's a way and a manner in which to go about doing that. Um, and we have to be careful because, you know, there, there's a lot of temptation there to go and run and gossip. You know, there's always, you know, oh, it's so, it's so scandalous, you know. <laughs> so juicy. If, if you yeah. Was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, there's always that, there's always that um, temptation there, but, but we have to be respectful because, I mean, it boils down to, you know, what if that were you? You know, yeah. what if that was, if, what if that was me? What if I was caught in a moment of weakness and, I have, you know, I found myself in a situation where a brother or sister of Christ um, has has seen me in my so in you know my theoretical drunken state. Um, you know what what would I want them to do? Would I want them to go and run tell the entire church or tell the entire world? No, I don't. You know what they need? What I would need if that was me? I would need somebody to help me. You know, help me. You know, help me recognize my fault and help me get it taken care of. So, um, you know, that there's, there's a lot going on there. And then the last, last little footnote I hear, I had here was on the lack of respect and it kind of ties back to the lack of, uh, discretion and notice, you know, how Shem and Japheth, they went to very extreme lengths. I mean, walking backwards without looking, I mean, that's, that's pretty hardcore, um, 
to to make it a point to to be respectful um you know the fact that you're you're walking backwards you're not looking i mean they they went to point being they went to some very excessive lengths to make sure that their father was properly taken care of and that even they they themselves uh would not be witness to um his incident and ham demonstrated no such respect for his father and the bible is very clear on our duty uh, as children to obey, to respect, and to honor our parents. Um, in fact, it's so critical. It's actually one of the Ten Commandments that we'll see given uh, to Moses by God on Mount Sinai. So that's foreshadowing again um, when we talk about the Mosaic Law. But um, again, that's that's one of his Ten Commandments that he wrote himself on tablets of stone. So obviously, it's something that he values very greatly. Um, so again, you know, I guess the moral of that is, you know, be respectful. If you find, you know, if I or any of us find anybody, a fellow brother or sister at a fault, you know, treat it with discretion, treat it with love, treat it how you would want it to be treated, you know, with the end goal being, with the desire being, I want to help you. I don't want to run you down. I don't want to point it out. I want to help you fix this. I want to help you get over it. So, um, and then the other little bitty footnote I've got, and then I'll turn it right over to you, Ethan, is uh, the latter four verses. You know, the curse that Noah puts on Ham's son, uh, Canaan, is a foreshadow to how the Israelites will come to conquer uh, the Canaanites and live in uh, what will be referred to as the promised land of Canaan. So a little bit of foreshadowing there. I'm sure you, you know, many of our listeners have heard of, you know, the land of Canaan, the land of Canaan. They used to sing a song at our church about, you know, camping in Canaan's land. And for the longest time, I had no idea what Canaan was. <laughs> I didn't know why we were going there. I just know we wanted to go camping there. Um <laughs> So anyway, so growing up, little AJ was like, I don't know where Canaan's at, but sounds like that's where we're headed. <laughs> but just a little, little funny bit in my part. So, all right, Ethan, what do you got? All right. Yeah. Uh, so I've got some very similar notes to you, um, but it's so worked out that I have more detail <laughs> on the Canaan piece rather than um, nice. the, the ham piece. So it worked out good. Um, nice. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, ham uh, was disrespectful and uh did not honor his father noah and and, and the way i, I kind of see this at how we know this is uh shem and japheth are the ones who go in and and they do something right to to cover up noah and ham doesn't take part part in it and so he's not doing anything to to honor his father and so instead of participating in covering his father's nakedness you know it seems like he went out and he told his brothers uh right. you know hey come on in let's make fun fun of our dad sitting there making a fool of himself and right. uh like you said shem and japheth they didn't want any part of that they weren't going to dishonor their father and as a result they were blessed and, and noah goes in and blesses them blesses shem in particular and uh blesses japheth and god uh, like just like you mentioned in the one of the Ten Commandments is uh, honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the earth. There's a blessing that comes when we honor our parents. And just right. like how Japheth and Shem honored Noah, even in this moment of weakness, uh, the result of that was they were blessed because of that. So now going on to the blessings and the curses that are mentioned here, and I'm going to focus my time on this. Uh, so a lot of people, uh, unfortunately, 
in the past, and, and unfortunately some people today in the present, have used this passage of Scripture to justify uh, racial uh, racial inequality and unfortunately slavery. Um, some people have based slavery and the enslaving of, of Africans on this passage of scripture. Now, just to give you an idea of where they're getting this from. So Shem is the father of the, the Middle Eastern and Asian population. So, uh, the, the Israelites are, coming from uh, the come or the, their forefather would have been Shem that's actually where we get where we get the word semitic or you know you've heard of anti-semitism uh, right there's a you hate somebody who hates Jews and mm-hmm. that's uh that's semitic is referring to Shem so that's where that word comes from uh Jews Arabs um a, uh, Asian populations they're they're descendants of Shem Japheth happens to be the father of uh, predominantly uh, European, uh, the European nations, and Ham predominantly is the father of the African uh, uh, nations. So, to clarify, uh, so so people see Ham and they're like, oh, he's the father of African populations, and because Canaan's cursed. Well, that gives us the ability to treat his descendants in an unequal manner, and, and people in the past used this to enslave, uh, enslave descendants of Ham, and uh, and unfortunately, that's that's uh, the the sad piece of this this passage, uh, and the misinterpretation of that. This curse, and and the reason why I say it's a misrepresentation and a misinterpretation is that this curse does not mean that the descendants of Ham are any different or any less than descend than the descendants of Shem and Japheth. And right. remember, in the beginning of this passage, God is already reemphasizing that we are all made in God's image, and and yes. uh, we are meant to treat other people just as if it, it were God standing there. We need to treat them with respect and with dignity and, and treating them any other way is a sin against them and ultimately a, against God. And I think there's a misinterpretation here. People look at this and they say, oh, the descendants of Ham are cursed. That's not true. Only one descendant of Ham was cursed. Uh, there are other sons of Ham. Uh, I think it's uh, in chapter 10 that they list them. But namely, uh, there's also Cush, Mizram, and Put, and uh, so there, there, there are other sons of Ham besides Canaan. And just like you said, Canaan, as as you would guess, is the father of the Canaanite tribes, right? And they are specifically cursed. You know, hey, God, God has an ultimate plan, right? And uh, Canaan is cursed. His descendants are cursed in the way that they are they are made to be the enemy of Israel for hundreds of years and hundreds of years later and the curse is that these these Canaanites would be servants and so uh the land of Canaan which um when it wasn't occupied by the Israelites had been controlled by uh by many of the Canaanites and 
Israel comes in, and sure enough, since Canaan is is cursed, Israel comes in, the Israelites come in, and, and they take the land of Canaan. And additionally, throughout history, just this land of Canaan has gone through so many different uh, periods of occupation by nations that aren't Canaanite. Um, you have Arab nations. You have obviously Israel. You have European nations. Uh, Great Britain comes into to mind. Uh, you have the Middle Ages. Lots of Crusades going through here, and so the, the land of Canaan, for sure, there there is a curse, and uh, they it has been controlled, and they've been servants of of these other nations, and so. You know, why would God curse the Canaanites? God obviously had a plan and in his foresight knew that he was going to take the land of Canaan from the Canaanites and give it to his people, Israel. And, you know, to to us, right, you know, especially in in our modern day culture, and we're, we're all about equality and equity and justice, it really doesn't seem very fair. But the Bible has plenty of examples of blessings and curses being swapped in a seemingly unfair way. Paul explains this way, uh, that it's this way of God's showing uh, grace. The first could be first, but you've heard it before. The first will be last and the last will be first. And so right. although Canaan was cursed in this situation and, and he was uh, the, the firstborn son of, of Ham, it's not a curse to eternal damnation. There's a couple verses in First Peter, uh, I think in verse in chapters three and four, where it talks about Jesus after he dies, he goes and he preaches to those who have already died. So they are they are given a chance to accept the good news of Jesus, and so God is still even, you know, we we see this curse, and 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 we've seen this in in previous chapters when we've talked about Cain. But even though in the middle of the curse, God still shows mercy to to people as well and he still shows mercy to canaan and his descendants by by giving him that that second chance he goes and he preaches to them when after he died on the cross and he descends into hell and he's like okay here's my opportunity you know people before this time who are already dead this is what the good news is and so all this to say it seems unfair uh, but God has an ultimate plan and God is still showing grace even through this. And just to make it clear, it's, this curse is only on Canaan. It's not on all the descendants of Ham. It's not on specifically on those who are of African descent. Uh, the Bible does not teach that at all in this, right. uh, in this particular passage. It's specifically on the, the Canaanites. So... Actually, that kind of fits pretty well with your uh, your rainbow analogy and the prism and nice. the, the light. You know, I I, mm-hmm. I guess I you know I ended a little negatively here. I'm gonna <laughs> s- twist this around in the positive. And once again, mm-hmm. like we said, God is reemphasizing here in chapter nine, just like He emphasized in chapter one and chapter two of Genesis that man is made in His own image. We need to make sure that we are treating right. every single person with respect and dignity and ultimately mm-hmm. with love because we are commanded to do so. And when we love other people, mm-hmm. we're, we're showing our love to God. Uh, Jesus was asked by a scribe in Mark chapter 12, and the scribe asks him, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? 
And Jesus says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you're to love him with everything that you have. And then the second commandment is like this, Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So everything that we read about in the Bible, every single commandment, it all boils down to loving God and loving our neighbor. And if we're not doing those two things, if we're not showing love to God by following his commandments and we're not showing love to one another, you know, whether they're in church, whether they're not in church, then we've missed the whole point of the Bible and every single commandment that's in the Bible. We have to love God and we have to love people because they are made in God's image. And so if we truly love God and we truly want to serve him, we need to make sure that we're loving people. It doesn't matter how they look like, if they're different from the, from us, if they don't speak the same language as us, they don't come from the same cultural background. We still need to love them. That's what God has commanded us to do. Our God is a God of love and we need to, to show that same love to them. So, right. All right. Well, that is all I have. Nice work. Good job, man. Uh, you did a fantastic job. Uh, breaking down, uh, you know, that the curse and, you know, like I said, you, you just brought that all very well together and uh, did a great job of, of taking care of any of those um, inappropriate assumptions and things like that that people have made in the past. And like you said, I love how you, you ended it there with love. You know, we, we've got to love and I, I'm not trying to reiterate, but we've, we've got to love one another. Um, you know, how, how can we, how can we love God if we can't love the, the ones that were made in his own image, you know? Right. And, uh, so, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, with that being, with that, with that being said, we're, uh, I think we're going to go ahead and bring this episode to a close. We appreciate you guys, each and every one of you very much, uh, for tuning in this week and listening to us, uh, talk about this stuff. We hope that you were blessed. We hope God was able to speak to you in your life. Um, you know, not necessarily through anything we did. Maybe, maybe he was able to plant something in your heart and, and, uh, and that's going to let you grow in new ways, uh, within him. So, um, but Ethan, is there anything else that you, you want to say or, or you, you good? Uh, I, I don't have anything else. Hey, thank you guys for, for joining, joining us today. Uh, we hope that you guys have a, a, a good week and, uh, we're looking forward to tackling, uh, the next few chapters in Genesis with you guys. So, uh, we that's will it. see you next yep. week. See you guys. Have a good one.